Welcome and thank you for downloading the Trinity Now podcast, recorded live from Trinity Church of Weston Chapel. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. Now, let's join Pastor Dave. Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things, says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience, And have labored for my namesake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent, and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent." But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for being our God, for loving us, undeservedly, a a love that, that goes beyond anything that we can imagine. And Lord, to be able to come here today and to praise your holy name and then to open your word together. Lord, I I just ask that your spirit would come amongst us and that you would open our hearts and open our minds and lead us in that direction that only you can lead. Father, we love you and we praise you in all things. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. And we pray this in Jesus' most wonderful name. Amen. Now you may be seated. Leave those Bibles open. You know, um, over the the past uh, nine weeks, whatever, um, in in speaking about, about prophecy, I have... Um, spent time in the book of Matthew um, um, and in the Old Testament and have talked about um, about the prophecy of the tribulation period and and um, um, also I've, I've jumped into Revelation um, from from time to time to talk about the four horses of the apocalypse and 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 what we can expect to see. Um, that comes ahead. And, and I know that when, when you're in Daniel, Daniel does talk about um, the tribulation period. He sees, God has given him a vision to see what is to happen to, the, to his people, the Jews, in that tribulation period. Um, guys, nobody knew. Daniel didn't know. Um, it, it really um, isn't spoken of in the Gospels the word, and you will find the word in a couple of places where it talks about church. Guys, the church never started. 
per se, the church that you're sitting in today, um, the, the church of the whole, with the Holy Spirit involved, the church, the saving grace of, of, of Jesus Christ, the age of grace that we live in, did not start until Paul was knocked to that road on the Damascus road, uh, knocked to the trail, knocked on the ground on, that, on the Damascus trail on his way to Damascus that day. And, and the reason for that, um, if God, if Jesus Christ could save Paul, he could save anybody. And remember that. doesn't matter what you've done in your life. I don't care what you've done in your life. If God could save the persecutor of Christians, if, if he could save the man that hated the name of Jesus Christ and those that followed him, if he could save him, he could save anybody. And it's the purpose of that. But so you see, when you get into the book of Revelation, you get into something different. You're, 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 it's, it's written by, by John. Um, and when John was on the Isle of Patmos, um, he received this vision on the Sabbath. Um, the, the Lord Jesus came, and, and I, in the scripture that I read, it talked about he who was walking amongst the, the, candle, the, the golden candle lampstands and holding the seven stars in his hand. You know, um, that is Jesus Christ. The seven stars that he holds in his hands are the seven angels of the seven churches. The golden lampstands, the seven golden lampstands are the seven churches. And, and see, guys, here's the thing I want you to understand. There's something different about Revelation. Revelation will match up very well with Daniel when we're looking at the tribulation period. But there is a reason. There is a reason. That, that the book of Revelation starts out talking about the seven churches. Daniel didn't mention anything about churches because there was no such thing as a church then. The mystery of what was to come is the age of grace and it is the church. And the book of Revelation goes into the churches first. All the way from, from in chapter 2 to chapter 3, we talk about the ages. You'll hear people a lot of times talking about those seven churches are talking about the seven ages of the church. Going back to when it started up until today does not mean that what I talk about today, the first church, that is in chapter 2, the, the church of Ephesus. It doesn't mean that that church does not per, uh, pertain to us. Because every church that you look at out of those seven churches, you'll see similarities between those churches and the church that you're sitting in this morning. It's ours. This is written to us. These are the churches. And so we, with that in mind... Um, We'll, we'll start getting into these, into these churches and, and what, it, what Jesus Christ is trying to tell us about the churches and about the different churches. It doesn't matter if this is the church of Ephesus. It doesn't matter if it's the church of Smyrna, um, um, Philadelphia, Laodicea. It doesn't matter. When you, when you look at these churches, you think about where you're sitting this morning, Okay? And, now, and so after that, then the first question I've got to ask you. In your working career, 
Um, whether you're working now, whether, whether you're uh, retired, um, as, as you look back on your working career, did you ever goof off? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Um, you know, maybe uh, um, depending on your situation, you know, you, you, could, you could work a job and, and uh, you and your buddies could, could get together and do nothing. And, and uh, as, as you're gathered around the water cooler or off in the corner someplace and, and doing nothing, and all of a sudden here comes the boss. And as the boss comes walking by, everybody all of a sudden starts to get busy. And, and uh, the boss doesn't say nothing, and you think, boy, what a dope. <laughs> doesn't know what we're doing. Um, you don't think that he saw what you were doing, but actually, actually he did. Do you remember when, when, in the, um, uh, when traffic cameras came out and, and how everybody was complaining about there being traffic cameras at, at the intersections and uh, calling it Big Brother or saying, they're infringing on my rights. I, 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 they shouldn't be there with those cameras. And, you know, because people would get a, a fine in the mail. Um, you ran this red light, or you, you uh, made an illegal uh, left turn, or you did what you didn't stop. And, and somehow we, the, the government was infringing on your rights. So I guess your right is to speed and to run through red lights and, and, uh, and generally make, make life a danger. Um, but someone was watching. Someone was watching. My parents... Um, is this recorded? Yeah, I guess it is. Um, listen, I don't think I'm any different than, than any other kid. Um, when I was growing up, I was a kid. Um, I, I thought my parents, I didn't think they knew anything that I was doing. I, I really, I thought that I was pulling the wool over their eyes. They didn't know the places I was going, the things I was doing. And you know something I found out later in life? Man, they're smart. They really are quite intelligent. Um, Believe me, they know what you're doing, man. I'm telling you, they, they know what you're doing. And it isn't until later in life that you find out that they do. They, they know what you're doing. And I remember sitting back and, and uh, uh, with, with my mom and dad, um, my brothers were there, and, and, and all of a sudden mom and dad started telling me about all the things that, that I did. And come to find out my older brothers were squealing on me, you know. Bunch of dogs, you know, and uh, but but they were they were squealing on me, you know. <clears throat> have you ever considered the fact that God knows everything that goes on in this church? Everything, everything. You know, we always think about about Satan and and the prowling of of Satan. Uh, uh, 1 Peter 5, 8 says, uh, says to be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And, and you think about that. And, and we give Satan credit. You know, I often say, you know, Satan or, or the attack does not come through the front door. It comes through the back door. And, and, he, and he walks around like a roaring lion looking to see who, who he can devour. And, you know, if you think about it, um, you think about, about well, who does a lion attack in real life? A, a real lion. What does a lion attack? He attacks the weak. 
He goes to, after those who are, are, are so much smaller, um, um, those that he can outrun, those that, that can't put up a, a real fight. Did you ever see a lion attack a rhino? Doesn't happen a lot. He's got to really be hungry if he's going to go after a, lion, a rhino. Um, it, but they attack the weak. What does that roaring lion, the, the Satan, do? He attacks the weak, scripturally, in their faith. They're weak, and, and Satan can attack. And, and we give Satan the credit for walking around and knowing what's going on and, and, and attacking where he can attack, but we never really think that, that God knows everything that is going on in this church. Now, I, I don't know, maybe uh, you, a lot of you guys have the same doctor I do, but, but uh, in his office, out in the waiting room, is this picture of, of a doctor sitting at his desk um, poring over medical uh, manuals. And, and there's, there's Christ standing behind him, leaning over his shoulder, pointing at something um, to, to bring his attention to it. It's, it's just... There's something, I don't know, there's something about that that gives me comfort when I know my doctor has that picture in his office, but, and, and I know where his faith is at. But, but you see, the idea is God is involved. God is involved here. Everything that, that goes on here, God knows about. And you think about that. We, we, we talk about what Satan does in a church. What about what God does in a church? He's involved in the church. God knows all about the, the 70, 700, 7,000 campaign. It's his idea. You know, it, it, was, it was him that, that, that you know, gave us the thought of, of, hey, this is what we can do. It was, it was us listening to the Lord. It's, it's him. He knows all about these things. He knows our, our outreach or lack of outreach. God knows this. It's like having that traffic camera in the church. Or, or if you want to go back to, what is it, 1984. <laughs> um, Big Brother's watching. No, it's not Big Brother. It's God. God is watching, and he knows exactly what goes on in the church. He knows our efforts. He knows the efforts of the 700. He knows our efforts of reaching out into a community and, and trying to bring people into church. He, he knows that. He knows our finances. He does. He knows our finances. And, and, and he knows what, where the money goes. He knows this. He knows the words and, and the message and the heart that comes from the pulpit. He knows this. And, and I think what's, what's amazing more than anything, he knows the future. He knows the future. You know, um, you know, we've all witnessed over the years, um, probably most of you, at, at one point or another, maybe through a friend, maybe a church up north, maybe, uh, maybe a church down here, um, we've all witnessed over the year churches that have closed. And you know, when you look at the relationship between, between Jesus Christ and the church, a lot of times we sit back and say, well, how, how could that happen? How could it happen that, that a church would close? 
And, and I'll tell you, I, I know that there's varying reasons for, for churches to close. There are. Um, people just stop coming. Um, it can be financial. Um, it, uh, church can, church can, can run down. I've seen that happen. You know, and, and being part of a United Methodist Conference there for so long and going to them, they always said the last thing they always did in their, in their annual conferences was to have church closings. And they would always have, you know, six, eight of them that, that they were closing. And, and uh, uh, some fought back. Some didn't. Uh, some of them, it, it was the church was run down. They couldn't afford to, to, you know, repair the church. And so rather than dumping money into it, you know, they closed it. It's, it's you know, you look at that and you, you kind of say, well, how can these kind of things happen? And I, and I think that, that um, sometimes when it's, a, when it's a big conglomerate denomination doing the closing of the church, maybe... Maybe it isn't the church that's having the problem. Maybe it's the big conglomerate denomination that's having the problem. But, but there's, there's always a common denominator in, into why a church closes. Whether, whether it would be the, the, the big denomination or whether it's the church itself, there, there is, there's a common denominator in, in all of that that closes that church. Because the church, is, as you look at the church in Scripture, you say, well, how can, how can this be? How, how can these, these kind of things happen? But let's take a moment. Um, and, and if you're thinking about one that, that is closed um, uh, years ago, recently, or whatever, just kind of keep that in mind. Think about it. Think about what happened there. Because as we go back and we look at the church of Ephesus, I want you to see some things that, that Jesus Christ was, was saying to them. If, if you would go back in your Bibles to verses 2 and 3 in chapter 2 of Revelation, it says, and I know your works. And, and this is, guys, this is Jesus Christ who, who is speaking. And so, so he sees it. He sees it. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those things who are evil, or those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. Guys, the only way that you know whether someone is lying to you is, is you check that out in Scripture. You know, when, when you leave here on, on Sunday, and I'm saying something, guys, if, if, if you think, you know, if you need to, don't always take for granted what I'm saying. Check it in Scripture. Check it in Scripture. Find it. Or come back and talk to me about it. But don't always take... You know, that's where a lot of Christians run into issues today. Because they, they turn on the television set, they see some, some guy on TV who's just yakety, 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 and, and they take what he says as gospel. Guys, there's one gospel. There's one Bible. And it isn't necessarily what we say, but it is what this one says. And that's why churches run astray. This is, where, this is the problems that we have, um, is, is that people just take for granted that, that what is being said out of the pulpit is, is true. And that isn't happening. That isn't happening all the time. In fact, there's a lot of times that that, that is not happening. 
looking at verse 3, and it says, And you have persevered. There has been, there is, there has been persecution against you. you. You guys have persevered through this. There's people that, that, that don't like you, and, and, they, and you're persevering through this. <coughs> Excuse me. And you have patience, and you have labored for my namesake, and, and have not become weary. Jesus knows. He knows what's going on. Um, there, and, and I'll tell you, when it talks about the perseverance, we're talking about the church of Ephesus. Guys, that's an evil place. Society in, in, around the church of Ephesus, was not a, this was not a nice place. <coughs> Ollie, this cough is going around, isn't it? And so he's saying, you guys have persevered. You've done great. You've done good for this. Um, you know, it's, it's one of the problems that, that we have when, we're, when we, we try to judge human nature. Scripture tells us, you know, and you think about the area that the church of Ephesus was in. And, and, we, and we look at it today, and, and we say, you know, man is basically good. No. Man is not basically good. See, Scripture tells us, go back to Scripture, and, you, and, and where it says, and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Not some. All. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so what it's saying is that every one of us is in need of a Savior. We think about, and, and, and listen, I hate to see the Ten Commandments pulled out of anything, out of any place, especially a government building. I hate to see that. But you know something, guys? Ten Commandments, you're not saved by the Ten Commandments. You're not. The only thing that the Ten Commandments were, were really good for is to show you your need for a Savior. Because I can't and you can't follow them. You can't do it. The Ten Commandments is, is, like, is like having a mirror in your hand. And you look into that mirror and you see it. That's your Ten Commandments. You can see the dirt on your face. But can you clean your face with that mirror? No, you can't. You know why? You need soap and water and a washcloth to get the dirt off your face. You need Jesus Christ. And I hate to see the Ten Commandments pulled out of, out of you know, buildings and all, but guys, when, when they ask Jesus, what are, the, what are the two, what are the commandments that are the most important? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and, and love your neighbor as yourself. And do you realize that if you did that, if you did that, there, wouldn't be, there would never be a war. There would never be a problem between neighbors. There would never be a problem between husbands and wives. There would never be a problem with anything. Those two. I would be all for them tearing the Ten Commandments out of, the, out of government buildings and, and everyone if they just put the two back. I mean, golly, rip, rip out those that 80% of them and give us the two because that would, that would straighten this world out. But you see, in, in the eyes of man, this church in Ephesus um, was, was, an, was an evil place. And the Lord says, I see your works, and I see your labor, and I see your patience, and, and you're a hard-working church, and, and 
You're doing it in my name's sake. And you know, as we, as, as people, judge churches, we would have to say, hey, this is a great church. Look at all the stuff they're doing. Golly, they're feeding the hungry and clothing the naked and, and doing after-school programs for the kids. And, and they're doing this and they're doing that. And man, this is awesome. This church is getting it done. They're doing a great, great job. That's what we would say. That's what we would say to them. But look, there's a problem in the church. And obviously the people in the church don't see the problem. They don't see the problem. Look at verse 4. And can you imagine talking to, having Jesus come bodily walk through that door? Come up here and stand before you. Stand before you. And say these words, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you left your first love. To have Christ come before you and say, to have Christ come before you and say, I have a problem with you. And, and that problem is that you've lost your first love. You're falling out of love. You're falling out of love. With who? With Jesus Christ. That sounds like a marriage, doesn't it? It sounds like a husband and wife who have been together for years and all of a sudden they start falling out of love. All of a sudden he stops doing the little things for her and she stops doing the little things for him. And all of a sudden, you know, I mean, they, how many country songs are written about this? You know, it falls asleep, face in the wall, you know, and, and all of those things. But, but listen, Jesus Christ is the groom. The church is the bride. You know, it, it's... This sounds like a couple, and it is. It is a couple. Only Jesus Christ still loves us, except that the church is heading in the different direction. You see, the church itself, in all of the things that they did, in the workings of the church, it was a great church. People would fall all over to come in there. There's people that, that like to come to a church if a church is busy in the community because they say, I don't know how to help in this community, but if I go to this church, guess what? I can get involved in this. It's wrong. I, I want people to come. Don't get me wrong here, but that's wrong. Because if you're going to do it for the church, that's the wrong reason, guys. And, and you could say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. I think you're splitting hairs here. If, if I'm doing things for the church, I'm doing things for Jesus. No, you're not. No, you're not. This is different. You're different. If you're doing things for Jesus, then you're doing things for the church. And guys, I'll tell you what, there's a big, big difference a big difference. And the difference is this. Right here. Your heart. Your heart. A lot of people do a lot of things for all different types of civil organizations. They do them all the time. They do the same things a church does. So what makes the church different? 
It's Jesus Christ. And what makes the difference in, in that is that you're not to do things for the church. You're to do things for Jesus Christ. And if you do things for Jesus Christ, you'll be doing them for the church. When we do for the church, folks, when we do it for the church, we, we get in the way. We get in the way of what we're doing. Ministries all of a sudden become about us. Worship becomes about us and, and what we want and, and, and what we like rather than being about worshiping, worshiping the Lord. How is it that worshiping our God took the place of, of, of us trying to make ourselves happy? When, when did that happen? When did it happen? It, it doesn't do that in the Bible. And in, in when Paul got together and they were starting the church, and the, and the people weren't talking about doing things for them, they were talking about doing things for Christ. When did the church, when did the church evolve into something different? Where it became about me rather than being ab- about Jesus. Do you see where, where, the rub, where the rub comes in here? Where is your focus when it comes to ministries? Where is your focus when it, when it comes to worship? Where is your focus when it comes to the church? Is, is the church about Jesus? Are the things that we do about Jesus? Or, or is Jesus just a byproduct of what we do? Hmm. You know, you see, when, when Jesus was not the first love, um, it became about us. When Jesus wasn't the first love, it became about the people in the church of Ephesus. Do you see? And, and when it's not about us, or, or when it, let me restate that, when it is about us, we never humble ourselves before Christ. Why would we? Because it's all about us. You see, and, and when we don't humble ourselves before him, the church becomes, hate to say it, when it becomes about us and we never humble ourselves before him, the church becomes useless. And hence, Jesus says, you got a choice here. Repent. 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 If you don't repent, I'll come quickly and I'll take your lampstand. Why? Because the church had become useless. Because the church had become a civic organization and was not about Jesus. That's why. And do you know the honest, the honest meaning behind repent? Repent doesn't mean, I'm sorry, Repent does not mean, I'm sorry. Repent means that you're heading in this direction. Repent means you turn it around and you head back in this direction. It's doing a 180. You see? The church itself has to be about Jesus Christ. If your ministries are about the church, wow. It's not, that's not what it's supposed to be. I watched a movie a, a few months ago. 
and I hope I got it right. I watched it, and I'm not hot on remembering the names. I think it was called Facing the Giants. Is that the one we watched at night? And, um, you know, guys, it was about a football team <laughs> in, a, in a Christian school. And, and this college, or this, this football team, it was a high school. They stunk. They just stunk the place up. And, and you know, and I realize this is just a story, but boy, it, it fits. And the coach who was a Christian man, and, and these kids that were Christians, when they were, when they were playing football and they were doing it for themselves and they were doing it for the school, and they, could, they couldn't win. They couldn't win. And finally it dawned on that coach and he said, Guys, when you play football, don't do it for the school. Don't do it for you. Do it for Jesus. Do it for Jesus. And of course, you know how this turns out. Of course, they, went, they were state champions after that. They figured it out. But, but you see, guys, who we are as people, being Christians doesn't mean that you're a Christian on Sunday. Being a Christian means that you're a Christian every day of your life. Being a Christian means that you go out into this community. Uh, many of you are working jobs. Many of you are retired. But guys, you are out in this community and you are a representative of Jesus Christ in this community. Guys, if you are doing something, if you are working, if you are just breathing, if you are, if you are, are anyone that does anything in this community, if you're going to school... Do it for Jesus Christ. You do it for him. Do it for him. If you do it for him, you're not going to stand at the water cooler and goof off and think your boss is stupid. Because would you do that to Jesus? You know he sees it. We can't be part-time Christians. We have to be Christians every day. Every day. Of every moment of every day. In all that we do, especially in the church, but in your life too, what you do, you do in the name of Jesus. See, each of us needs to search our own hearts. We need to see what place Christ has in, in our hearts or where he is in our lives. What position does he have? How far down the ladder is he? Or is he right at the top? Is he, does he have a place or is he a byproduct? Guys, don't let Christ be a byproduct in your life. That's not good. That's not good. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for loving us, for being our God. Father, for, for the examples that, that you give us in a church, the church of Ephesus, those who had that had forgotten their first love. They had forgotten you. And Father, to know that you said that if you do not repent, I will come and take that lampstand. And Lord, I know today that there is no church of Ephesus. And Lord, so let us, as, as your children, think about you in all that we do, in our ministries, in our outreach, in our music, and in all of it. It's not for us for you. Father, let us reach out and, and praise you in, in all that we do, in our jobs and everything. Father, we'll give you the glory. 
And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Trinity Now podcast. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. We hope today's sermon has touched your heart, and we hope you will join us next week for another message from God's Word.